Welcome to episode 43 of Permission to be Messy. I'm your host, Joanne Kral, and today I'm talking about overcoming procrastination, of course, as it applies to decluttering and getting organized. As with many of my episodes, I always start with ChatGPT just to see what kind of advice they're giving based on a topic that I'm going to be talking about. And I know this is being pulled from all of the information that's out there on the internet. And frankly, a lot of the advice that's out there on how to overcome procrastination is just so generic. So that's really why I want to talk about the reasons why we procrastinate and give you some practical tips to try and overcome it. And to be honest, this episode is just as much for me as it is for you. Usually when I find myself procrastinating, it's because of one or more of these issues. So uh, let me go through what ChatGPT says, why we procrastinate and decluttering, and the solutions that they provide. And then I'll go deeper into my thoughts on it and what I would really say to you. Okay, the first one is overwhelm. This one's very straightforward, and I would agree with this. This is probably the number one thing for many people. This doesn't typically happen to me because I have processes in place to overcome the overwhelm, which is what I'm going to talk about in one second. But often we'll look at a room and be like, there is so much clutter, I have no idea where to start. So just thinking about all of the things and the the sheer size of the task can just stop us in our tracks. We just don't know where to start. Now, what they provide is a solution, breaking down the decluttering process into smaller, more manageable tasks, tackling one area or category at a time. I would agree with this. I've talked about this before in other episodes, chip away. But that said, people will say, okay, but I don't know where to start. When thinking about where to start, I will generally steer people towards start with the easy stuff. And when we're decluttering, it's literally going around and start with the things that we 100% know we're going to let go of. And sometimes you can think, all right, I know I'm keeping this, but that's two decisions. So start with that one decision. Go through anything that you look at it, you can let it go. Sometimes it's going to be trash. Sometimes it's going to be things that you've already had set aside for donation. That stuff can be clutter for us too. Because if we don't take action on the things that we've already made decisions on to let go, if we don't get them out of our home or our office, they're just sitting there creating clutter as well. Just do a little bit each day. So number two is decision fatigue. And this really goes hand in hand with the overwhelm, right? It's mentally exhausting to make those decisions. And before we even start making the decisions, we're thinking about having to make the decisions. So decision fatigue is big. And I 100% agree with this. Now their solution is, Establish clear criteria for keeping items. Ask yourself if you've used or needed an item in the last year. If not, consider letting it go. Again, good advice, but not always easy for the person who has a difficult time making decisions about what to keep and what not to keep. Now, what clear criteria do you use? So if somebody hadn't been listening to me drone on and on (laughs) over and over about the decisions that I try to help people with is you either love something And if you love it, you're honoring it, displaying it, using it, whatever, or you need something. And those are easy because you can look at something and say, I need that. You can look at something. I love that. But there's, that's not the stuff that causes clutter. It's all the maybes and the what ifs. And we need to 
make decisions on those. So that's really what's causing the decision fatigue. So getting all of those items that you're not sure of into one space, instead of making those decisions right on the spot, take all of those maybes and put them in one area. And then you can start making those more difficult decisions. Now, when you have a maybe, we need to dig a little bit deeper on how to let it go. Because it's easy for some people to go, okay, forget it. I don't need it. And then other people really struggle because they think I might need it one day. If you think you might need something one day, then ask yourself, would it be really expensive to replace? And would it be really hard to find or both? If the answer is yes to either one of those or both, then you probably want to hold on to it if you're the type of person that's going to have anxiety about letting it go. Now, if it's something that's really easy to find again, really inexpensive, consider letting it go, especially if it's something that you can donate. Now, I should mention that if you're dealing with digital clutter, whether it be email or files or photos, consider creating a dump file or an archive file to put them in and date it. That way, you don't have the fear of losing anything that's in there, but it's also not cluttering up your current filing system. And as I'm going through this list, I realize I have talked about this stuff on other episodes, but honestly, I feel like you can't say things enough. Sometimes I'll say it one way and then another times I'll say it another way and then it finally resonates with people. Just like when I have people say to me that they hear another organizer talk about something and I just smile because I know I've said that to them but it took somebody else saying it to them for it to resonate. So number three that they have here is sentimental attachment. I don't know that this necessarily prevents us from decluttering or procrastinating decluttering. It may prevent us from letting go of something, but if we're trying to make decisions, we're not necessarily procrastinating. We're just not making a decision. Now their solution, gradually ease into decluttering sentimental items. Take photos of items with emotional value so you can keep the memory without the physical clutter. It's great. It's very generic. But let me give you some examples of that because I do love this. Sometimes we may have a piece of furniture from our parents or our grandparents, and it's nothing that we're displaying or using in our house, but we hold on to it for that sentimental reason. Take a photo of it. And more importantly, and what they don't have in here is... Take a photo of it and write about the piece of furniture on the photo. Or if you're keeping like a digital scrapbook of treasured items, this is something that I love when I see people do this. They have a treasure scrapbook, things that were physically here once, but are no longer, but they had a lot of meaning to someone. So I can think of one example. My grandmother had a telephone table. I don't know if you've ever seen one, but it's the place where the phone sat and there was a little seat and a place to write notes. And I don't have a picture of it. And I don't have the chair, table, whatever you call it. I would love to have that. Because having that picture, I have it in my mind, but being able to see it would be fun. But it'd be more important about the stories that I would write about it, because I would pre pretend that I was working. When I would go to her house, I would sit there and I would pretend that I was on the phone and I was doing work. And so that was really a, like a great memory for me. And being able to pass that on to future generations would be cool. She also had a player piano, which is gone. Don't I don't think I have any pictures of it. I may somewhere. But again, like the stories of just being 
at somebody's home and being with those items. That's really the important thing. Okay, the fourth thing they have is lack of time. I would say or perceived lack of time. They say busy schedules can make it challenging to find time for organizing. Busy schedules can make it hard to find time for anything. They recommend scheduling specific decluttering sessions in your calendar. Even short, regular intervals can make a difference. I agree. This is this just goes back to chipping away. As far as scheduling goes, though, that doesn't work for everybody. You may not be ready to tackle anything at that time when you schedule it. So you may just not keep the appointment with yourself. So that's easier said than done. But what I like to think of is the perceived lack of time, or not so much the perceived lack of time, but the perceived time it's going to take us to do something. We don't have to tackle our clutter all at once. And doing a little bit is great. I would say it's more important to focus on what's coming in when you're chipping away, though, because if you're just picking away at your clutter every day a little bit, you're going to make progress, but only if you're not bringing a bunch more stuff in. This is really true for paper and digital clutter as well. Reducing what's coming in when it comes to anything is going to make a huge difference, whether you're tackling your clutter all at once or you're chipping away. The fifth thing they say is perfectionism. I 100% agree with this. In fact, I consider this one of the top reasons why people don't start decluttering or doing their organizing projects. They have this vision that it has to be all done perfectly. And so they just are paralyzed by perfection. In fact, I think I heard somebody say that procrastination really is just perfectionism, which, yes, in some respects it is, but not everybody is looking to be having things done perfectly, but they're still not starting. So they say wanting everything to be perfect can lead to avoidance if the tasks, I can't say tasks, task seems too daunting. That goes back to overwhelm, right? It's all tied together. So their solution is to aim for progress, not perfection. Yep, 100%. And understanding that organizing is an ongoing process and it's okay to start small. Yeah, it is. It's okay to start small. But what they're missing here is with the organizing, it's putting that function in place before beauty. I've been saying this for years. It's all I help people with. But hint, something is coming up in my business that I'm going to be able to offer the beauty part. A little side note. But usually what people have done in the past is they've gone out and they've invested in a bunch of products to get them organized, whether they're doing their pantry or whether they're doing um, something on the computer and they're, they've got a software to organize their photos or their files and it didn't work for them. And so they were trying to be perfect. It didn't work. And then they're continually searching for that perfect solution. So create those systems before you try to make everything perfect. And what does that look like? So in a pantry, it could be using existing containers that you have, even if they don't match. It could be using shoe boxes just to contain things. In your office, it could be using drab files. Maybe you just have, maybe you're just using manila folders right now and eventually you're going to have a beautiful hanging file system. But really the perfectionism, that comes into play with the actual act of organizing. It's not so much in the decluttering, except when we're thinking, this is, this is something that trips up a lot of people. When they're thinking about what they need to let go, some things are 
definitely trash. Some things are definitely recycled. But then there's things that can be donated and there's things that can be sold. Selling isn't always easy, so that holds them back. Or it's, I'm going to donate it, but I don't want to just donate it to a big charity. I want to make sure that it goes to somebody really special. So that can be something that will hold you back because it's not that you're, you already know you want to let go of something, but now you don't know where you want it to go. So think about that. If you're somebody that you want your stuff to go to good homes, there are a lot of really great ideas out there. In fact, I'm writing myself a note to do an episode on that. Unique ways to be able to donate and know that your stuff is going to a place you feel good about. But if you ever want to reach out and ask me a question about something specific, send me a message. My information is always in the show notes. Number six is fear of wasting. And they say the fear that items may be useful in the future leads to hoarding. And them using the word hoarding here, most people think of hoarding as what we see on TV, but there are different levels. I would reword it to say leads to holding on to too much stuff. So their solution, adopt a minimalist mindset. Recognize that holding on to unnecessary items can be more wasteful in the long run. So the this one here got me the most as far as, okay, that's great advice, but how do I do that? Adopting a minimalist mindset. I'm not quite sure how you do that. Do you just say, I just want to be a minimalist? Minimalist is different to everybody. One person's idea of minimalism could be completely different than the next. But really, it just boils down to only having what you need or love. But them saying, recognizing that holding on to unnecessary items could be more wasteful in the long run. That's great, but how can it be more wasteful? The only thing I can really see with that is wasting money because maybe you've purchased these items and you don't need them, but you've already purchased the items, so you've already wasted the money. So holding on to them, I don't know. The only way I can see them being more wasteful is maybe taking up more space, and then you would need to go buy a storage unit. Other than that, I'm not quite sure where they're going with that advice. So then after I asked this question on why we procrastinate, I asked them again how to overcome it, how to overcome the procrastination. So they gave me eight tips. The first one is to set clear goals. I would agree that this can be really helpful, but I also know it isn't helpful for everybody because for some people setting goals is stressful. And if you have to go into this with just action and even before you set goals, because the second thing they say is create a plan, those two things can be really daunting for people and they just need action. If you are somebody who likes to set goals, definitely do that. They list number eight as visualizing the benefits. Sometimes just sitting and thinking about a vision for what you want the space to look like or what you want your life to look like. That can be enough for setting your goals. You don't even have to put something in writing, but if you just envision what you want the outcome to be, that can be enough. So number two, creating a plan They say break down the decluttering process into actionable steps. Having a plan makes the task less intimidating. That's great. But what are the actionable steps? I want to let you know that I do have a planning process that I sell and that will be, the link will always be in the show notes. And within that planning process, I do give you actionable steps, but I also give you a guided meditation. Number three, they say start small. Yep. Definitely start small. Start with small areas or do what we talked about before, 
with starting with the things that you can let go of, just minimizing as much as you possibly can and doing a little bit each day. My voice is going out on me today. It's very frustrating. Number four, use a timer. Okay, this can be really helpful for some people and it can be really stressful for others. So know yourself. If a timer helps you to make sure that you do at least 15 to 30 minutes or even five or 10 minutes a day, do that. Because they say that knowing there's a defined endpoint can make it more approachable. But again, some people are very stressed out by timers. So if that is going to stress you out, don't worry about it. Work until it feels right. You know yourself. We know roughly how long things will take. An alternative to using a timer is to say, I'm going to let go of 20 items today, or I'm going to try to find at least 20 items, whatever that number is for you. But give yourself grace. Do the best you can. So sometimes using that physical amount of things will be a little bit more helpful because that might only take you three minutes or it might take you 45 minutes, but at least you feel accomplished. Number five is to enlist support. I would agree with this. Having somebody there helping you can make a huge difference, whether it's a friend, a family member, or a professional. One thing I would say about this, though, is make sure that whoever's supporting you is not judgmental, isn't going to make you feel bad about holding on to something or even try and talk you into holding on to something that you've already decided to let go. Be really, be discerning about who's helping you. Number six, reward yourself. I like this. I like rewards. And this is actually part of my planning process, giving yourself a reward, whatever that may be. It can be really simple. The reward in the end is the organization. But if you're in the decluttering process and you still don't feel like there's so much more to do, give yourself a reward. And sometimes it could be getting yourself something new. I know that seems counterintuitive to decluttering, but if you get yourself something new, maybe it's a new outfit and you've already let go of 20 other old outfits, I think that's a good thing. Whatever a reward means to you. It might even be just sitting down and watching an hour of Netflix. I'm, I'm laughing though because they say rewards can provide positive reinforcement for maintaining an organized space. I don't know. That stuff doesn't work for me in that respect. But maybe buying yourself some flowers if you've cleared off your dining room table. If, if flowers make you super happy, that might be just enough. Having the clear dining room table is going to look great. But just adding those flowers might just give you a little bit more incentive. Number seven, they say develop decluttering habits. Yes, I would agree with this. And this is why I love to tell people to chip away. Because when you are chipping away at clutter, it takes a long time. And it becomes a habit. You're, t- you're going to tend to do that more often. You're going you're gonna to notice clutter going forward. Once you've decluttered everything and you feel organized, the clutter is going to keep coming in. So having that, that process that you've been going through, getting rid of old stuff, is going to help you in the future. Now, they say incorporate regular decluttering habits into your routine. I just think it becomes second nature. When you have achieved the point where you have reduced as much clutter as possible and you've got an organized space or an organized computer, you're going to remember what that felt like. And you may not be doing it super regularly, but you're less likely to let it build up. But that said, it's about reducing what's incoming And doing that while you're doing the decluttering process so that when you do get to the end, you don't have all that stuff coming in. 
you have less and less coming in because the less that comes in, the less that needs to go out. A regular routine for you could just be once a week. It could be once a month saying, I'm going to, you know, tackle my clutter once a month. It's about finding what works for you. I don't declutter every area on a daily basis. In fact, I do my 29-day routine of decluttering and cleaning. That's my maintenance. And then the last thing, again, is visualize the benefits. I think this is really important. And like I said, you can use it as your goal. You don't have to write specific goals if that doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for me. Visualizing the benefits is huge. And bringing that a little step further, having a vision board. Some people poo-poo them, but you don't actually have to do the whole magazine cutouts and put a thing on your wall. You can make a digital vision board just by using Canva and creating like a wallpaper for your desktop or You could create one and print it out, or I have one on my phone. Actually, I'll put a picture. I think I can put a picture of that in the show notes. It's just every time I open my phone, I see my vision board for my life, really. But say you're working on decluttering your bedroom. Maybe you have a vision board of what you want your bedroom to look like in the end. You could just have peaceful bedrooms, or you could actually have a look that you want. These types of things can help. They don't help for everybody, so I don't want to say it's an end-all, end-all. But if you're somebody who's motivated by that, then definitely try that out. Now, with all of this said, I just want to leave you with, be patient with yourself. This is a gradual process, letting go of procrastination. And like I said in the beginning, I still procrastinate on things. I think we all do, whether it be even beyond decluttering our homes, whether it's our budgets or our health or fitness or eating healthy, any of that stuff. We do it and we do it for many reasons. It's important to think about why we're doing it, because this can be a gray area. It could be multiple things that are causing it. It could be one, but think about what it is. And is it something that you do all the time? And see if you can pinpoint exactly why. And then you may have the answer of how to overcome that. And so that's all I have for you today. I hope this was helpful. Do not hesitate to reach out and ask me any questions. My contact information is always in the show notes. And as always, I'm wishing you much progress, peace, purpose, and the permission to be messy. Thanks for listening.